Hey everyone, welcome to Beyond the Dance Floor podcast, a place to learn more about what goes on beyond what you see on the dance floor. It's about mentality, history, and how the skills you learn in breaking or the arts in general can apply more broadly to the rest of your life. Today we talk with Ark repping the 808 breakers and floor gangs. Ark was one of the guys I was really excited to talk to when I first started this whole podcast thing. And I remember seeing clips of his classes that he posts on Instagram, but they weren't just him showing his students moves or teaching them some choreography. He was teaching them mentality, how to learn, how to be active in figuring out your own style and what you like. It was a more complete package and very much in line with what I hope comes from these discussions. That is, getting people to think beyond the moves and look at how these things affect themselves more generally. Ark is a humble teacher who's always learning and always willing to share, and I hope you really enjoy this talk. Peace. Okay, we're here with Ark from 808 Breakers, Floor Gangs, uh, originally from Hawaii, now in San Francisco, Bay Area. The Bay Area, yep. Bay Area, cool, cool. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk to you today. He's... uh, He's one of the one of these really inspiring people within the breaking community. Um, yeah, I guess the first thing that I kind of want to ask you about is like, yeah, I always see your your classes on. You share some stuff on Instagram about your classes, and especially now that everyone's in like lockdown and uh, a lot of people are maybe teaching online, but you're still mm. so dedicated to your students and stuff. And you, yeah, like so maybe you can share with us a little bit about your yeah, philosophy yeah. of teaching or just your approach or whatever like what absolutely i mean i I'll, I'll start with uh what's going on now but you know first of course thanks so much for having having me this is fun and um pretty excited just to open up about this because i feel like there's not a lot of conversations about just teaching this dance in yeah. general yeah, yeah at least in the u.s hmm. uh, because i think there's kind of a it's almost like a Cobra Kai guarded secret to my teaching kind of like mystique that that has developed in the last few years, I, I feel, or from my experience I've seen. But what's going on right now, you know, obviously due to the pandemic, uh, everybody's in lockdown and a lot of people that work privately as well as publicly, so within dance studios or after school programs are being kind of forced into this uh, distance learning model. And... I think the first thing that stood out to me in trying to adapt teaching to that model is taking a step back and having the perspective that um, the way that breaking is learned, generally speaking, by active practitioners like yourself or myself, is, is different from the studio or even after school or like classroom paradigm or environment. And so even when I was seeing my kids in person, I realized, you know, like I I was adapting uh, a style of learning, a model of learning, even if I simulated certain things or like ciphers or battles at best, I'm still adapting the environment because by its nature of like paying money and showing up to 
with the intention to learn something from one single person and you're doing these drills, you're listening to someone talk, that's just like fundamentally different than how I would say the majority of practicing b-boys who continue to do this dance or b-girls after 10 to 15 years have, have gotten into or learned this dance. So with that perspective in mind, um, really trying to wrap my mind around how to best engage my students through like the internet and through platforms like Zoom or even like pre-made produced videos on YouTube or Vimeo. Uh, I, I started kind of like with that concept in mind that I still want to bluntly address the contextual difference in learning even by yourself if you're just going to be taking in a video or doing a zoom class versus like labbing out in your living room listen just getting into music getting into your own body um so with the exercises and things that i do kind of mold to fit i guess a eurocentric like western dance paradigm the stuff that i've molded into that i, I try my best to get kids moving or get them into a state where they are more kind of like open to intrinsically motivating their own dance. So that's a bunch of fucking words. But, uh, <laughs> what, but what, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive of, you know, a lot of parents who now have to see their kids probably more than they thought they'd ever see them and uh, deal with, you know, millions of emails from their public schools and all the other programs and cool things that they're doing. Um, and so trying to be respectful of that, I realized that it was best for me to kind of curate a platter, like a, to curate a menu of not just moves, but drills and lessons, like conceptual ways to, to engage kids' minds with how they perceive this dance through a screen, whether it's through Zoom or through something I give them, or if right. they venture out into YouTube and they watch a battle or they watch uh, like your stuff on Patreon. So this is something that we talked about before is, you know, like how do you establish a model for how to digest and interpret information for this dance? Yeah. And that's related to how this dance is developed itself. And like, how, how do those things kind of like go together? So a lot of my, my content is basically week after week, packaging uh, one to three different videos and emailing it out to kids right now and there's instructional content where it's more it's kind of traditional in the tutorial sense of like revealing a move and then teaching a short combination or choreography mm -hmm. uh, sequence that's one to two counts of eight that uses that move so that provides a contextual framework in movement for how to how to combine that let's say a footwork step to a freeze or a power move or access right, right. it from standing up. And then, I don't know if you've ever done P90X or any of those like internet workout things. Yeah. yeah, so when I was in college, uh, I, I knew a bunch of people actually that were crazy about it because they were chasing yeah. like six pack abs. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what stuck out to me through kind of doing a couple of those workouts is that um, you're, you're like engaging with a screen of a, of a person or several people just warming up and like getting physical and there's it's almost like a video game it's kind of like almost like a we dance or just yeah. dance kind of thing yeah. where you have a quantitative number of reps to do a thing mm -hmm. and a, a time frame to do it and the music sound quality is good enough 
that it does provide some kind of like contextual mood. So I, I try to always include at least one video that isn't so demanding as far as like specific, like you need to drill this movement, you need to do baby freezes or whatever. It's, it's a little bit more open-ended with music that I've mixed and uh, creating at least the quantitative boundary of time to be like, for, for our basic level kids, like freeze dance. Like mm -hmm. you're gonna dance for 60 oh, yeah. seconds. Okay, and stop, the screen says stop. And it's like footage of me practicing and like doing shit that I fail at doing on big stages. <laughs> and then it's like green light, like go, you know, like it's freeze dance basically. And then to higher degrees where for advanced kids, uh, I've made some videos that are drill based around phrasing, like the two count, two counts of eight or four bar phrasing that's like really common in most Western music in the last 40 years or so. And especially with music that's being produced in the breaking scene where like an accent in a beat will come on the eight or the one every two counts of eight. Yeah. Kind of like Jan the Shrimp's break smart concept. Okay. Um, so, so basically creating that prompt through a video to get kids to work out or to like basically battle a, a television screen uh, and it's okay. like two counts on breathe <laughs> for two counts and it's like my practice footage and two counts back on two counts off two counts on off cool, and it's like how many rounds did we do like looking like 12 rounds in 12 short rounds in like five minutes and then other things that are kind of like I, I guess similar to what focus does but I, I i respect and i appreciate like focus's stuff is like the most thoughtful like yeah. intentional teaching through a, a media yeah, platform yeah. that I've ever seen, but yeah. stuff that's dumbed down versions of that, that can be digested by, by kids who haven't really maybe passed the threshold for self-motivation in this dance mm. or are just kind of casually doing it recreationally and just need to have some kind of prompting to, to just move. And mm. unfortunately, I think nowadays uh, a lot of kids and adults, like look for that permission, the permission to do their own thing, their permission to move uh, in their yeah. body, the permission to even listen to a type of music, like a kind of music. And I think like teachers, whether they know it or not, and whether the kids even know that they, they have this buzzing in the back of their head, like that, that is the, the dynamic, you know, like when we talk about freedom or like freestyle or whatever it is, like freedom of expression, it's, it's like you learn, you learn tools to express yourself, but in doing so, you're also to, to really get that freedom. Like you need to find the permission, confidence, you know, the other words for it. And that comes from like mentors and people that kind of show you the way, you know, it, it can be as simple as like, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. Like yeah. you did, you did one windmill. I mean, try to do a head spin. You might die, but you can do it, you know, and like yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And, and sometimes people really surprise themselves. I think that's part of like the wonders of teaching. But anyway, going back to like the video teaching projects <laughs> that I have going on right now, sorry to digress, but that, that's kind of the, the current ethos that I'm operating on is like, how do I bring in a positive setting? How, how do I positively bring a classroom westernized concept of a classroom to living rooms mm -hmm. because and i was just talking to power surge this guy from the east bay who runs like a nonprofit, and he teaches college classes because i i think when it comes to distance learning the thing we have to consider as educators is that there is a power struggle mm -hmm. involved in in teaching 
in, in not in like a negative way, but in the sense of like, I, I'm a teacher and you're a student and like uh, yeah. most competitory learning is like, you know, everybody sits in rows here and it's focused on like one spot. And now that that's being invited into homes on both ends, like living rooms, you're seeing a different emotional dynamic and, and simple things like even like a parent sitting on the couch next to them. It's going to affect behavior. It's going to affect motivation. It's going to affect the way people digest and process information uh, for, for better and worse. It's just going to be different. Yeah, yeah. And I think when it comes to kind of generating these online informational instructionals, whether they're tutorials or lessons, like those things should always be considered is like the context of how, where that person is digesting that information mm. and how they are. Uh, because, you know, of course it, it's a lot, sim it's simple and very easy to just be like, I want to teach a windmill. I'm going to be in my kitchen and uh, you know, the, oh, here's where your heart, your hand goes, you know, like a TikTok video, like number one, and then you spin and then there you go. It's a windmill. I mean, I think that that's cool that has a place as a hook, I guess. But yeah. um, as far as like teachers who really want to not only teach a, a, a movement, but a framework for how to understand that movement and recreate things similar to it. It's like really grappling with the environment that like put yourself in a student's shoes and grapple with the environment. Like, okay, I might have a kid who lives with like five siblings and really doesn't have the space, you know, or they have like two dogs and there's like dog right. shit on the ground everywhere. Like they're not going to want to do certain moves. Yeah. But like going there and then also on top of that, having kind of zoom meetings that function more as like places to check in and just be, mm. be available to people to just be like, Hey, what was that? Or, Hey, I didn't even do any work. Just have somebody to talk to and ask questions for. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, run rounds and just play play music that's kind of our model for for my work that we've shifted to right. so pre-produced videos and um and then zoom meetings and hopefully if i do these pre-produced videos right the thing that i'm really excited about is uh it should function as somewhat of a supplementary textbook video textbook that will help me you know, hopefully in three years when all this is done, five years to, to add to whatever I'm teaching so that I, I right. still can teach in person and be like, Hey, here's, here's 70 videos that I compiled um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. from that, that encompass certain subjects. It's not everything. It's not all inclusive, but like this, if you're really stoked to be here, like check these out. More resources and stuff. Yeah. 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 So That's cool. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's where you're at now. Um, but yeah, what, what really caught my attention at first was mm. like seeing your, your stuff in, yes. in person, you know, you you would share little bits and pieces of those classes. And, uh, I don't know, like for me, it was really cool to see you doing things like that. You just don't typically see in a dance class, like, and, or even just breaking class, like a lot of dance classes, like, okay, you go in okay, we're going to work on this move and we're just going to learn, you're going to learn this move. And then depending who it is, like they might do just choreography at the end to put it together. And they might do mm -hmm. like, okay, here's some, I don't know, like time to create with the move or something. Maybe like they might do that. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, like your classes were very like engaging, uh, like giving the students 
that good balance of like, what do you, what do you call it? Like structured and unstructured kind of practice. Mm -hmm. And, um, and even things like, um, yeah, like teaching them how to, like when they're watching something, watching a video, like think about what you're watching and not just be like, oh, that's cool. But like, what did you like? And then sharing it with other people and like, you know, yeah. with the other students and, 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 you know, you learn from other people and you learn, oh, I didn't even notice that, oh, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, well, man. You're so kind, Mr. <laughs> no, Dean. But, no, but like, it was, <laughs> yeah. really, it was so, really cool, like, to, to see that kind of thing in a, in a breaking class and like yeah. someone so engaged in, in trying to yeah. foster that creativity, because that's the hardest part, I think. You can teach people yeah. a bunch of moves and stuff, but if you don't teach them yeah. to like think for themselves and create for themselves, yeah. but it's hard, right? Yeah. Well, you know, just like breaking or in martial arts or even like in medicine and law, it's a practice, right? Like I'm, yeah. no one's ever at the end anywhere. And so, you know, I'm always trying to develop different ways to teach. If, of course, like to better serve the kids that will change even from five years from now to 20 years from now because social norms change. Um, and so with that being said, and that that's a given, I think for anybody doing like anything creative, I've in the last year, I think I've recorded at least like a hundred hours of myself teaching in the same way that like we record ourselves breaking, like we, right. you know, we record little combos or even a concept or patterns. Or just, so you can sit around at night and be like, does this suck? <laughs> or it's like, oh, the, there's like a thing here that, that like worked. I'm gonna mess with it tomorrow. Um, so both to like document what I'm teaching so I can keep track on what I will teach the following week. Because at this point I do teach seven days a week between private lessons and uh, group classes uh, from a wide level of range, uh, a wide level of skill ranges mm -hmm. and uh, age ranges. But I've, I've just been recording myself teaching just to like make myself a better teacher. And I, I've been really anxious and pretty apprehensive about putting any of that out until, you know, guys like yourself have, have kind of just given me props, like through just putting certain things through Instagram stories. And that, that was definitely a huge motivator. But I also got to say, there's a DJ named DJ Rob Swift. So on the topic of just even putting media content out there, not of yourself teaching a thing to a camera, but video content of you teaching other people, students who are learning. Right, right. There's a guy named DJ Rob Swift, was a fantastic YouTube channel and um, Instagram channel where he, he's been doing a lot of that because I've been trying to pick up DJing. And I realized from watching his video clips, like there's something, there's something so special. A, as like a student, like if I just wanted to learn a six step, there's something so different like watching a screen and seeing like two people interact and seeing a person digest that, that idea that, or that movement or whatever that is mm -hmm. as a third person versus that same person just speaking to a camera lens yeah. and you're like, you're like, Oh, the left leg goes here. Oh shit. Oh shit. Yeah. Like being able to see someone else try to process it. I think uh, and I, I probably need to do more research and probably take a teacher workshop in how to word this. But like, there's so much, I think, value to that. And he does that really well with DJing. Yeah. Well, I and, think, you know, it kind of makes, it's that the difference between like someone speaking directly to the screen and 
seeing someone teach it in like a, a workshop or a classroom, it kind of like brings the person into the workshop and they feel like, okay, I'm participating in this great, this bigger thing that's happening instead of yeah. like this direct thing. It, maybe it's like going into yeah. that kind of uncanny valley of like, they're talking to me, but I know that they're not there. And like, you know, it's not yeah. real kind of thing. But whereas with yeah. that, it's just kind of happening and it feels a little more natural. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. And so on, on that end, I think there's a lot of benefit and uh, unique, at, at least novelty to learning as a third person when you're examining a video of two people like teaching and learning. But then also I realized that um, fuck, seven years ago, like when I started teaching full time and doing nothing else, dude, I was so fucking scared to get in front of kids like day in and day out, week after week and be like, oh my God, people, people are going to like pay money for, to like learn how to cross step. Like, you know, and I was young too, but I didn't, you know, Milestone did, paved the way for me from Renegade Rockers. And I mean, he started teaching at the dance studio that I teach at, uh, Kid David and Danny Dibble are actually people that come from Rocco. Oh, but really? my, yeah, my, myself and, and nobody else like really ever get the torch passed to them as far as like how to teach, like yeah. the, the way to engage with people. And I, you know, I, to this day for breaking, at least I don't see too much of that as far as like what's put out content wise, yeah, yeah. because like you, you can learn the content that's being taught on the screen, but what you're also doing is seeing how that person is sharing it yeah, and yeah. how that's being taken by certain, certain people. And I think, or I, I hope that there's value there for people down the road, even if it's years from now to like watch these videos and like what you're saying, be like, okay, that's a model. That's, that's an exercise to use in a classroom. Like we're going to yeah. play footage, we're going to talk about it and then we're going to dissect it and take it on our own and mess with it and come back to the table and see what we got or yeah. versus other exercises here and there. Just like the, the pedagogy of teaching yeah. uh, being put out there. Yeah. So as far as putting videos out like that, I, I have hopes that are, they're kind of like twofold to accomplish with it. And then of course, just like to be able to look back and this is a selfish reason um, to put it out there is to be able to like look back one day when these kids are like grown ass adults and maybe they won't even be breaking anymore, but be able to like really appreciate it like a picture, you know, appreciate those <laughs> moments because like they are rare. Well, you could like, take the same exercise and teaching with a different person and it'll come out different. Yeah. You, know? you got like a little snapshot of that moment in time kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's, it is kind of changing more and more these days. Like people realize like, well, especially as, as people get older, um, you know, it becomes more, you kind of realize like, Hey, it is kind of important to like figure out like, how do we pass on this knowledge and, yeah. and not just like, okay, I should start teaching workshops, but like teaching people like how to teach. Cause that's its own separate skill than just the moves that you Absolutely. do. And so like, you know, I, I, this is something that I would recommend to anyone listening who like wants to learn how to teach other than, you know, checking out these, these new things, like the things that focus is doing, like he's got these teaching webinars and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. like one of the things that I used to do and like some of my friends used to do is like, you would just take someone's workshop. Even if you like, I would take like a big, I took like Wicket's beginner workshop one time mm -hmm. just to see how he taught like, Mm -hmm. kind of that level and then you know mm -hmm. you just take it as a 
as a way to learn, like you're not, you know, you don't care about the moves or anything. You're caring about their method, right? Mm-hmm. Or like wiggles and like I don't even pop, but and I don't even really, I don't even really want to learn how to pop necessarily. Which is kind of mm-hmm. fun, but it's like, well, how does this guy teach? I like, I saw some stuff. I like how he teaches. Yeah, and get some ideas and and maybe there's something new that I could bring to my classes or whatever if I was teaching. No, I wasn't teaching, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't, I don't think a lot of people consider that. I, I think another reason there too is because like a lot of people don't, I, I don't know a single person that like gets into breaking because they want to teach breaking. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's like one of the paths that, that unfolds. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, but it's weird because it's almost like you can't really, you you can find an interest in it and a love for it through doing it, like we've been like you mentioned at the very beginning. Yeah. But it's kind of something that, as opportunities go, kind of just falls on your lap. Yeah. And it's like you know, like somebody knows somebody who has an opening, and they know your friend who's like, oh, he's a really great guy. He'll show up on time, and he has a, bank <laughs> yeah, account yeah. And a driver's license. That's like the baseline. <laughs> he'll show up. <laughs> yeah. like, he'll show up. So and you're like, oh uh, man, why not? And then, you know, like you create relationships and then hopefully sometimes it develops into more and yeah, goes yeah. here and there. And I mean, I'd also say that like, you know, the, the workshop model, it's really good as far as not just digesting the means or like the engagement models for how teachers like Wiggles and Wicket apply those things. But it's also worth considering that like those workshops are a particular they're taught a particular way because they're generally seen as like one shot experiences yeah Yeah. with kind of like trend this transient feel of like come and get it now while you can like this Uh guy which is dope and it's very real in a lot of cases it's like in hawaii like i don't know when the next time is we're gonna have why not out there you know or yeah and so but but at the same time i think it's also important to be mindful that like how you adopt those practices does need to fit within this concept that like if you're gonna see people consistently like yeah, yeah. week after week one week after or maybe twice a week three times a week mm-hmm. um those things are, are still gonna have to like shift yeah uh, and, and there's a fine balance i guess like between like how how quickly you can introduce something or how slowly you have to incept it depending on of course like the age group skill level social norms even i'm, I'm sure it's different out there in japan yeah <laughs> I, I remember you mentioning something uh, i think it was in writing that when you moved to japan you noticed that a lot of japanese b-boys could name or list a mentor somebody who like kind of passed something down to them yeah there was always whereas there's always out here it's a little more rare yeah like i don't know what it is and like i'm hoping that i can talk with some of my japanese friends and get a little deeper into this but they all every time i ask like you know how did you get started and who you know who are your influences or whatever this kind of thing like whenever that kind of came up everyone almost i'm pretty sure everyone was always like yeah i i i took a class or something and and mm-hmm. or like i saw some people and i whatever like there was always someone it's like a particular kind of, person yeah yeah there's always one person who like took them under their wing and like taught them stuff you, you mean you haven't gotten like the the step up answer that you got served like i can't remember that <laughs> what is that answer 
<laughs> that you know the like I, I saw somebody do a windmill and you got served i had to do it oh nice. i saw the heads saw a head slide like well like they have their own version of it i guess it would be like <laughs> you know maybe they were they were added they were interested in the dance but they were doing like a different dance like some people started as like hip-hop dancers or whatever but mm. then they saw breaking and they were like this is so crazy or like i don't know yeah. and especially like some of the guys that i've talked to they're like it just gripped them more because it's like i don't know like this aggressive kind of dance or something it's like very macho whatever kind of thing um yeah but it was like there's always someone that kind of took them under their wing and and showed them the ropes yeah. and then after that like they f they might find their way or whatever but yeah yeah that's something yeah. That, yeah. why why do I mean, is there something in Vancouver like that? Like, how, how does that contrast with your experience back at home? Uh, a lot of people, like, yeah, some people learn in a studio. Uh, and some people, yeah, some people might even have, like, a teacher that's really good, and they taught them a lot of the, they showed them the ropes. But um, I think there's only a few where I can say, like, or where they've, even mentioned like oh this person specifically really like mm. mentored me or taught me or whatever that kind of thing yeah mm. i wonder if part of it is like i don't know how it is in japan if people like they stay longer term as teachers uh, and maybe in maybe it's vancouver or maybe in north america there's like a higher turnover rate i don't know it could be a mm. lot of factors but it's it's definitely something that's always kind of intrigued me about japan like and they start so maybe young people too. like maybe people move <laughs> more often or i guess you have more room to move far away yeah maybe <laughs> or it's like my own weird some kind of bias that i i, I have and I'm some just like, bubble you've attracted <laughs> yeah and i'm just like self-fulfilling prophecy kind of stuff so i'm i'm kind of curious like how how have you seen kind of like you just mentioned the the youth scene in japan and how it's cultivated uh what's what's going on there like what's special or what what's stuck out to you as far as like models to retain kids and not only that but help them develop their artistry in, in whatever way in japan versus like what you've well, seen in vancouver or north america yeah, I think because I, I teach some I teach some English classes like in schools, right? So you kind of see that like at least the way the education system is set up, it's more about it's it's more it's less about like, you know, you know, here's here's what you want to say or do or whatever and like express yourself and be yourself and this kind of thing. And it's more like here's what you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn this stuff and it's and you're gonna drill a lot of stuff and, mm. um that's just how it is and like wow it's just like a culture kind of like systemic yeah like thing. From everything that i've heard and like talking to some other teachers like a lot of the mentality of the education system is kind of like post-world war ii still kind of like military style wow uh it's very like you have the teacher and they you they command your ultimate respect or they should and like yeah um, Damn. They'd, they'd freak out to see my white kids bro <laughs> 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 yeah. 
but, um, <laughs> so then really relating this to like the dance scene and from mm. what I've heard, like I haven't, I don't teach any class, any dance classes out here, but um, everything that I've heard is talking to people and in particular, like uh, there's like one, one place in Ishikawa, which is like north, northwest of Tokyo. Um, there's like one school there where they're, they've had like a, a whole bunch of kids and they're like really crazy. And, and just, yeah, a lot of the kids in general, they all learn power first. And I think this is something that they've, I don't know where they got it from or it came from Japan or whatever, but their mentality is like, you're young, you're flexible, <laughs> like you get injured for shorter periods of time. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, Makes learn, sense. Power, learn power first. <laughs> and like, you know, they teach them, they teach them the other basics, but like, I think there's a big emphasis on power because it's easier to pick it up when you're younger. And it's mm -hmm. kind of what kids get into. They see this like spinny stuff and it's like, whoa, that's so cool. I want to do that. And then, you know, you can figure out the other stuff later when you get older. Yeah. Like when, when they get into like high school and, but a lot of people find it in universities. Hmm. Yeah. Like, cause they have like, you know, clubs in the universities and dance. Is there, like, a, there's a big college kind of like breaking scene? Yeah. Pretty big amount of people that I talked to they were like yeah when I got I saw it in college and yeah that's our university and that's how I got into it yeah and like yeah I think dance in general is just bigger in Japan I guess uh hmm. like it's hard to say but they definitely view it as like kind of on the similar level as like a sport so that might like legitimize it in some ways in their mm. minds. I don't know. Hard to say. But I mean, is it is it like um, is it scene oriented? Is it uh, what's what you call like industry oriented? That's that's what I'm asking. Like, uh, is there a solid industry or career pathway? Like, like no. for example, in America, it's like Hollywood. <clears throat> you can go to LA and become a part of a fucking company and a talent agency. And yeah, I think it's kind of the same. Like, there's that path, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know, like there's just more, maybe I would say more than the North America, like there's more opportunity to do stuff, but it's still oh. low, yeah. relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still but, better to become a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, become a doctor. I don't know if they do, if Japan does the lawyer thing. <laughs> maybe it's like, yeah, just become a scientist become a lawyer or become a doctor yeah mm -hmm. who knows in business get it become a businessman some kind of business yeah um yeah uh yeah so the other thing that i wanted to talk to you about too was like you're in the bay now but you originally come from hawaii were you born and raised mm -hmm. there absolutely yeah. yeah so maybe you can speak a little bit on like what it was like growing up in Hawaii did you learn human bro in Hawaii <laughs> yeah I, I started breaking in Hawaii too um, when I was 18 I was a senior in high school I started um, yeah growing up in Hawaii was was super dope and I hope to return I mean I, I feel it I feel like I'm I will move back eventually hijack is already back there he moved back 
from living out here in the Bay for a few years and he's doing incredible things in the yeah. scene, working with the youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, co coming up in Hawaii's scene in the late 2000s, it's a really interesting period from what I've, from what I've learned. So my brother, who's four years older than me, was breaking in high school, so 2005. And during that time, most of America, I think, was really kind of on that on the scene kind of look and Hawaii got hit hard by that. So what I mean is hot topic, uh, fingerless gloves, <laughs> hella hand hops, tight hey, ass pants, hey. um, the slicked hair with the <laughs> tips, the tips that are dyed, um, <laughs> circus runways, uh, uh came yeah, through yeah. and they, they battled all of Hawaii. That was like a super epic battle that I was like lucky to see near the beginning of just starting to break. Mm -hmm. Um, but I got into it just because uh, I was into capoeira. Even though my brother was already breaking, I, I wasn't really into it. But our school offered free capoeira lessons, and I was just kind of an active guy. And I, I didn't really feel like I fit socially with a lot of people. And I, mm. I wanted to, though. I wanted that. Yeah. And our capoeira classes got canceled, and these breakers kind of took over the gym spot. And they would battle like every day after school. They became really close friends of mine. They were inspired by movies like Step Up 2 and uh, You Got Served. And, um, you know, and <laughs> I don't know if there was much breaking in Honey. <laughs> Wasn't there? But, Wasn't yeah, there? I thought there was well, Was there? It was like a scene. It's, well, it was like a lot of those things, it was always like, it's like Flashdance, right? It's not a breaking movie, but there's that one scene yeah. that, that everybody will watch. I don't know about yeah. Honey, like. I swear there was something. I'm, I'm pretty sure it like Small. for me going back into it, you got served, had this scene with like Dunak. Yeah. Doing yeah, like, yeah. you know, like a front flip. That's and definitely then, one of those movies that got a lot of <laughs> Step people. up two, I, I think Luigi, seeing Luigi do fucking air flares and like UFO to two thousand at the end credits. It was that was crazy. I literally snuck into movie theaters. I also live by movie theaters, it was easy. But I snuck into <laughs> movie theaters to like see that ending scene. Just so anyway, I, yeah, and I mean, YouTube was kind of like just kind of new, and Style Two OUF had some videos out, and uh, some of the forums. Like I was late to the game, like the end of the forum time, right, right, like freestyle session boards and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. my brother had oh B Boy Org and stuff. They had, <laughs> there were some videos there, yeah. but <laughs> but like there wasn't a lot for me to like grasp video wise, and and. Hmm. and I was just around some high school kids. We would go to school dances and just like jam out aside from practicing at our own. And I actually met Leighton Pogo, who lives in Seattle, Filipino guy with the hen hops and the air chair. He went to a private school um, that my mom actually went to. It's unrelated, but he went to another private school and those guys came through to our, our school and they smoked all of us. And there was like a good high school circuit at that time. The whole scene thing was going off and Hawaii's scene was big dude i remember going to jams when i first started like 200 to 400 people all elements um there was always like an mc battle always like a black book battle there was always a, a fight <laughs> all elements dean all elements. <laughs> it was it was nuts man um but it there was so much like youth involvement in hawaii at that time like skillroy was still 
getting down. I mean, he still does street shows now, but Skill Row was still battling. Red Eye Jedi's was big. Uh, the first generation of 808 Breakers, I think, battled massive monkeys at like B Boy reunion. Waikiki View Boys was big. And there was like still kind of like a rock steady crew connection with the rock steady Hawaii guys and the main dudes. I think for that Dancing with the Stars performance, Desmond and I think Skillroy is there. Like they performed on stage with them. It was like one of the last things before the uh, right. before the uh, the cutoff, the exodus. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, like the scene was like really vibrant in Hawaii. From what I'm told, like early 2000s, 2001 through like 2009, 10ish, and there was kind of a big drop off point. I want to say like I'm gonna I'm gonna put it this way. It was like post little demon like the scene really took a dive as far as just people people around and i don't want to say quality of events because like there's a spectrum but but i guess like direction or curation of jams and practices and and like just connection between people like i would say like after 2011 like after little demon blew up and then like moved to LA and got into skill methods. A lot of people for some reason just graduated from high school, had babies, moved, and it was like a weird spot. And then after that, I moved out here to the Bay Area from Hawaii. I was out here for like a year until Jack and Alex moved in with me and we're out here for like three years. But kind of like, yeah, the scene in Hawaii was really vibrant and thriving with like a lot of talent. Jay Soul, who's in Battleborn. Oh yeah. He's from out there and he was crushing it. He moved to Vegas, like a lot of Hawaii people always do. Huh. And um yeah, it was like everybody moved out. So right now, things like the melting pot, which is our cruise kind of like offering <laughs> to the island scene, um, mm -hmm. uh, are some of the only events that happen in Hawaii. Right. I think there's probably like three crews, but there are guys again like Hijack and Tom Solo who are doing their best to keep kids involved. And um, yeah, it's interesting seeing how like a, the community and population of a scene kind of ebbs and flows through the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. And how that's it's like related down to like certain individuals who are just you know guys who will front their rent to throw a jam yeah i don't yeah. recommend it for anybody <laughs> watching this don't don't do that shit but like but then you know there's diehard guys like that that's great yeah. and, and so individuals coming in and out to to just like phases of like i want to mm -hmm. say like even like society like how technology is kind yeah. of like affected there's people all kinds of factors i'm sure yeah that, that play into this but yeah um <laughs> what is awesome <laughs> yeah yeah like i remember the first time i saw you guys we were down at freestyle session i forget which one it was this is the one where you guys made it to like top eight top 16 top skill, the skill brat renegades one yeah the one where they where oh they, no but that was like the first time i saw you guys right and like i'd never heard of you guys before really maybe i heard the name briefly but yeah, I saw you guys and I was like, whoa, that, I didn't expect that. And then I saw you guys like actually dance and you guys were just like being clowns and, and, and just like goofing around and not in like a, you guys look whack kind of way, but like you guys look like. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. 
<laughs> you were just kind of like having fun, you know? Yeah. And, you know, in a, in a dance where it's all about, well, traditionally it's all about like being hard and, and, you know, being tough and showing, showing people you're better than them and stuff like that. And then yeah. to have you guys come in and you guys are like cracking jokes, kind of like, yeah. And like, bro, I have a story about that trip. So that was freestyle session 2012, I think. Yeah. Yo, I mean, our crew, so going back to like just coming up in the scene, like, man, we, we were trying to come up around giants. We're not the original chapter of 808 Breakers. 808 Breakers was first started in 2005 by Justice from LA Breakers, who went on to found House of Reps. <laughs> and, um, and, and some other guys. It was basically a super group. 808 Breakers was more or less a super group in 2005 to like seven or eight. And they, they won some jams. And then like most of those things go, people kind of went their own ways. And we got put in in a third chapter. And I guess there's a story there, but we weren't the original dudes. And we got smoked at every, at a lot of jams. You know, we, we, we've always been the underdogs. And so like the only way to take ourselves seriously is to just focus on, on our experience and enjoying the dance. Yeah. Um, which, which wasn't very serious at all. Um, and so like going out to that jam, I think that was like our first event that as a full crew, we all went to, I think we flew out with like 11 people. We crammed into one hotel room. We had <laughs> saved, we saved up money for t like a year and a half, close to two years of doing small local gigs in Hawaii from like graduation party showcases to like little music video things like dare dare day stuff like random weird stuff odds and ends and it and um that was actually towards the end of like my college uh career i, I graduated that year mm -hmm. and it was kind of like a, a send-off but we were there just to have fun um i don't want to get into this too deeply but like i got arrested the night before the prelim day in hawaii actually we almost actually arrested yeah. yeah for shoplifting it was like stupid shit i ever did and i'm never gonna do it again i learned a lot right. though learned, right? but <laughs> but like our whole crew uh flew out a uh, kind of and just uh, just for fun like just to enjoy ourselves like like any other crew that starts off and you go to these big jams and you're from this far away small place where you are looked at an underdog there even um yeah that was that was kind of like the the context for all of that. And then when we got there, I think we just got lucky and, and we were so loose from all the madness of the week before and, and uh, not sleeping and just a bunch of like crazy shit that happens on B-boy trips yeah. that I, I think we stood out just for our charisma alone. And the fact yeah. that we had like 10 other, we had like 12 other dudes behind us because <laughs> we had our whole crew and then some other crews from Hawaii and like there was literally no expectations and yeah. it's it's funny when i look back at that footage i mean I, there's a lot of facepalm worthy moments that like <laughs> oh my god fucking god stupid as shit but like energetically i remember what it felt like and, I, and it does translate i think to a degree through the screen uh -huh. it's like like zero expectation like i can't just like <laughs> yeah really yeah yeah none on ourselves by anyone else you know and i remember like we i'll be honest like we got past top 16 just because like the japanese dudes were just crashing more than us they, they were way better dude we I can't, <laughs> we battled steez bro like like we were battling dudes oh i remember that yeah, yeah, yeah dude we battled dudes we had only literally seen youtube videos of 
like in Hawaii while we're like in somebody's garage, you know, (laughs) it was like top eight against Skillbrat Renegades. And I like looked at Jack and Layton and we looked at fucking Luigi Casper and freaking Kid David, you know, like these guys are actually my age, which I didn't realize then. Like, I didn't know how old they were, but you know, to us it's like, these are like the legends. And I remember looking at them and looking at my friends and just laughing, dude, (laughs) (laughs) just like dying. It's just being like, what the hell is like what the hell are we doing here and um uh we you know we want to vote mr freeze liked us yeah but he also believes in like aliens and crazy conspiracies (laughs) but but hey you know what hey (laughs) we gotta vote that's besides the point point. (laughs) um yeah that that was kind of like our debut i think to the world and going back to hawaii was like trippy after that trip because Again, like we had never, it's not like we won freestyle session either, but like we, we hadn't won a single jam. Like we've never that was a big thing made, that, right? made it. Yeah. And no other crew from Hawaii <clears throat> had, had made it past prelims at like a large scale event like that, or even massive monkeys day. Well, and it's, it's like, and it's freestyle session. That's like one of the <laughs> events in the, in breaking. So, yeah. You know, even and, if you don't um, win, I, it's still a big thing to like make it past. Just, yeah and and represent it was like a huge yeah. honor and i remember after that 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 definitely sparked something in all of us and myself included to be mm-hmm. like not not to be like serious in like a macho way but just what i was talking about before like that idea of permission that like okay now we have like permission to be like you know we're not that bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, it's like, huh. I, oh my god I've been thinking about this kind of thing a lot more recently with like, you know, a lot of people think like, okay, competitions, like maybe especially when you're younger and you're starting out, it's like, yeah, I can win this thing and it's good. It's good to get like win it. Right. Cause you get, you get that credit. Like I won this thing and then you get some money or you get a trophy or whatever. And then you get like the, the, the attention and the prestige of whatever depending on what event you win but you know like i feel like the the older you get the more you kind of use these things as like yeah maybe you try and you still try and win but it's more about like um like a to test yourself and see like see where you stand kind of thing mm-hmm. like and it's less about it's it becomes less about actually winning and more about like yep. okay where where am I? And like, okay, depending what, what I want to do, if I want to keep improving, oh shoot, we didn't even make it past prelims. Like that's a good kind of benchmark for me to realize like, okay, I got to yeah. step it up. I got to train harder. I got to do this, yeah. whatever. Right. It's like the, it's like a phase of maturity. I think that, that everybody should experience. Yeah. And at the same time, like tempering that, that understanding of like, I am capable and I, I can develop beyond this and i can perform and and be among people that i respect yeah yeah tempering that again going back to the memory of i think that everybody has actually who's been breaking more than like three years the memory of like your first second year breaking were like no expectations (laughs) like none like hopefully i don't fall on my face like that that's the expectation yeah um and man like i try to ride that reset button like every day, like teaching kids, um, you know, just even for fun, just battling kids who just started breaking and <laughs> battling, and then battling, and then battling people who are like 
really serious in the Bay who've been breaking like sometimes longer than me. And like, and then like asking myself, like, is that a switch that needs to turn on versus these people and off versus these people? Or it's like, no, it should, I mean, to me, at least, I I feel like that switch should always be on of of gratitude and going back to like zero expectations that like, you know, if I'm going to battle like a seven-year-old kid who just wants to roll around, but like likes to do it in a communicative way in a battle setting Mm -hmm. that like, I could still, I could, of course, I'm not going to try to injure myself. I'm not going to try to do something that's like super physically stressful, but like, I'm going to give that moment everything with no expectations or like pride in myself that like, oh, I'm, I'm, I did this, or I've been breaking this long versus like yeah, this yeah. kid, he's going to get it. And, <laughs> and likewise, you know, like bat- battling somebody who might have more experience than me and, you know, like not being like, oh shit, this guy is so good. I got to push myself. Like not even necessarily going yeah. there, but being like, well, I'm going to enjoy myself the same. I'm going to just, I'm going to do what I do. Really enjoy this. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's something I, I always feel like I have to like re- reawaken on (laughs) yeah 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 like the the longer you you do this like of course the physical side is really important you got to maintain your body and train new ideas new moves and these kind of things but especially because part of it is is well i mean whatever way you want to take it like in the competition setting like there's a whole set of like mental considerations or is that the right word? Yeah. Things that you have to consider, yeah. right? Um, if you do that, or even if you just want to dance in like in ciphers, like that's a, a whole different set of mental things that you have to you have to be aware of and learn to deal with. And those things like especially the mental side of, of breaking or just anything in general, like those things don't come over overnight. Mm. Those are like that lifelong process kind of thing like you're always kind of struggling with it or yeah I've, I've been meaning to ask you actually speaking of like just that mental preparation so when you won massive monkeys day for work that yeah <laughs> oh did you was there what was your mental preparation was there any or uh how'd you like, handle that that was like an especially strange time because like my brother had passed away the year before the year before yeah and uh and then i like i got i like separated with my wife and this kind of thing so all in the same year right so that was like a really crazy year for me and then uh getting to massive monkey day like you know that stuff is like still you know it happened like the year before but it's still kind of there and especially with my brother like yeah, going into it, I was like, I used to always think, okay, I'm going to go in and okay, I'm going to do this move and this move and this move. And like, but it's just like, I just kind of wanted to win. But with that jam in particular, it was like, I had some other people say it too, like, you know, this is like, you're going to do something special, like for your brother, that kind of thing. Right. And so that's what that was to me. Like, it was always kind of in the back of my head, like oh, I'm doing this like for you in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't really even focused on like, I'm, I got to win and I got to beat this person. I'm up against this person. It was sort of like in a different way, like what you were saying, like 
you know, you, I just kind of didn't care. Like I cared, but I didn't care. Right. And it was just like, what is the next thing? Okay. I got, a, I got this next battle. Okay. That's what I'm going to focus on. It wasn't like, who's going to make who I'm going to battle in this thing. Or if I win, I got to battle this person. It was like, who's in front of me? Who is it? I'm going to do what I do. And that's it. And like, whatever happens, happens. And you just leave it on the floor. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty much what it was. And I remember like, not really, I was thinking like, yeah, I can do these things, but I wasn't overthinking it. And then it was only in the finals really where I did one move and I like got caught a bit and Mm. like it was on a thread or something and I got caught a bit. And like, that was the only time in my memory of like actually kind of snapping out of that sort of focus, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh shit, I messed up. I keep going, whatever. And then I remember just thinking like, Oh, I probably lost that round. I might've lost like the battle because of that, but I, but I didn't like focus on it. You know, I was like, okay, well shit whatever happens happens like it'd be nice to win if i don't win like it's all good yeah kind of thing dang that's fucking epic bro yeah well that one was like special too because uh yeah like that was one jam that i just you know i had been to for so long and uh every time i entered the footwork battle it was like okay i got top eight or, or top four that one year i got um in the, into the finals and I was so close it's like it's so close and eluding you You're thinking about doing it again <laughs> yeah if I, I move mean... back I would love to do it but like it's I don't know it's the kind of thing of just like yeah testing yourself it's not about like I don't, I don't want another ring or this kind of thing or I want to be the guy who <laughs> wins it whatever five times or something like that it's just like <laughs> I just like it and I yeah. I just like footwork in general. It's just the yeah. most fun part of breaking for me. Mm-hmm. And so like, um, yeah, I just would do it for fun. And like, I also think um, it's important for, for like, not that I'm like an OG or anything like that, but like people who have been doing it for a while to keep doing it and keep entering jams and like keep pushing people no matter what and pushing yourself. Cause like even just having that older generation there and like seeing that there's sort of a lineage can help this younger generation, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. kind of see that there's more and like inspire them. Like there's history to our scene or something like that or whatever. Right. So when I started, like there were a few people that kind of stuck around, but they pretty quickly like just stopped or they kind of did it more privately. And mm-hmm. then, the guys like before, well, the other guys before them, they just like all completely left breaking. They did other stuff within like hip hop, the hip hop realm, but they just kind of left the breaking scene. It was kind of like, I didn't know anything about like Vancouver history until way later when people actually started to talk to these guys and investigated a little more like Rory and, um, mm. and Nick's and these guys like uh, started, started getting into that. Dang, Nix. Where is Nix at? He's in Singapore. Singapore. I just talked to him like last week. What? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, mentality. Mentality when you're dancing. It's pretty important. Uh, I had something else that I was going to talk to you about, but 
I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> what are we at right uh, now? I'm not sure. About an hour. Um, that might be a Dude, good... how, how is Animal Crossing? Can you, <laughs> can you explain to me and whoever, I don't know if you ever include this, but like I, I don't have it yet. What is the hype? Okay. <laughs> I mean, everyone, it's, it came out at the perfect time. Yeah, say there's like true. some Nintendo Illuminati kind of thing. Maybe they were the ones that... Uh, they engineered it with 5G. With 5G, <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, that's an even better place to maybe put an end to this recording. <laughs> we're starting to get into conspiracy theories. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for doing this and, you know, sharing uh your perspective on a lot of these things and sharing a little bit of hawaii's history and stuff and uh, your cruise history so it was really cool i hope people got a lot of information out of it or just it was fun to listen to um yeah, yeah do you have any last like things you want to say it can be anything shout outs or just up to you it doesn't even all matter. right okay hmm if you haven't already seen tiger king <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, no, it, it is great. It's a fucking avalanche of mayhem. Oh! <laughs> you are ready. It's the Illuminati, bro. It's 5G right here. <laughs> it did it. I didn't even change it. It's 5G. 5G did it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't watch but, uh, Tiger King. Yeah. Uh, going so I guess the last thing that I just want to say out there is that um, I, I think we still are not at a place scene wise globally uh, where we recognize the achievements of and success of students and teachers alike and that in itself is kind of tricky because there's a personal component there in which you do have to tell your story or you have to tell somebody else's story and there's sensitivity there but for anybody that is listening to this if you are a teacher or even if you're a student you know like appreciate appreciating that interaction because it is golden and there's something very special there in the exchange between two people through a medium and artistry like breaking it's uh, it's rare and it i don't want to sound corny by saying it can save lives but it certainly can change the course and alter the course yeah, of your for life and sure. sure. uh, whether or not it goes on like a, a clip on a high high viewed social media channel or not or whether your students win any competitions or not or whether your teachers have won any competitions or not yeah. uh, those things have no effect on the value and validity of the lessons and mentorship that happens in those interactions and you know appreciate one another appreciate your students appreciate your teachers because there's a lot of crazy stuff in the world and there's certainly a lot of career options for people yeah. um in a wide spectrum of things to just do and it's very special to see people make the choice to continue to teach and continue to interact and exchange with with students in this dance so keep doing the good work if you're out there and appreciate yourself appreciate your students and the ability to just do it, do the thing. It matters. Nice. Yeah. Strong words from ARC 808 Breakers floor gangs. <laughs>
Soon to be Animal Crossing. <laughs> Soon to be Animal, animal Crossing. Yeah. Animal Crossing with a Z, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll cut it there. Thanks everybody for listening, and look out for the next one. Peace. Peace. Mahalo. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider supporting on my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash RazzyF2. That's R-A-Z-Z-Y-F-2. This also goes towards supporting my YouTube channel where I make tutorials and discussion videos. And you can find that at www.youtube.com slash RazzyF2, R-A-Z-Z-Y-F-2. Supporting on Patreon puts your name in the credits of the videos as a supporter, gives you access to a private Discord server where you can connect with fellow members, and gives you access to the full video versions of each podcast. I also offer private coaching there, so if that's something you're interested in, it's available. Once again, thank you for listening, and look forward to the next one. Peace. Peace.